0: Welcome back to the Tony Robbins Podcast. I'm Annie York, Editorial Director for Robbins Research International. In this final part of the conversation between Tony and investing legend Ray Dalio, the tables are turned. This time, it's Ray asking Tony about his guiding principles in life, what values drive his actions and behavior, what his ultimate mission in life is, and why he believes that your ability to make decisions is the single most important element for success. So once again, here's Tony Robbins and Ray Dalio.
1: Tony, I'm so excited about the fact that that I'm going to learn something about your principles because uh, you know we agree. Yes, that one of the most important gifts that anybody can give each other or give the world yes. is those principles, so people can compare it. Yes, and um, I think that you pay more attention to principles than almost anybody that I know, and you've got <laughs> better, be- be- better principles, um, and it's very important to be clear on those. But before we get to the principles. Um, the values that are behind the principles are the most important thing. I agree with you. So I'm curious, today, what are you going after? What do you value most? Why are you doing this? Well, I've always been driven by love. I love people, I love life, but... I impact is what I'm
2: after, is how can I have more impact? I've been obsessed with it my entire life. Uh, how can I, I think it came out of the fact, Ray, that I grew up in a pretty tough environment. I had a mom that absolutely loved me. Um, I'm the oldest of three, but she was crazy. She you know, used alcohol to an extreme and she used prescription drugs. And in those states, she was very abusive. She smashed my head against the wall till I bled. I never talked about this until one day I was actually with a group of young kids who are all abused, and I tried to tell them you're not defined by your past, your biography is not your destiny. And I could see in this tall white guy who's you know, doing well financially that you know, he couldn't relate. So I told him the whole story. My mom pulling liquid soap down my throat until I threw up because she thought I was lying when I wasn't. And when the person you love most is trying to hurt you and yet you know they love you too. It's quite a twist in your head and so the suffering made me want I hate suffering I want to light everybody up. I possibly can it's never gone away and but it also made me a a practical psychologist I didn't have time to analyze her entire past I had to figure out what her triggers were I had to figure out what her needs were I had to figure out how to manage her so my brother and sister didn't get hurt and so um if I had, if my mom had been the mother I wanted, I wouldn't be the man I'm proud to be. I developed those skills really early on, primarily to figure out how to manage her, and then gradually I could help other people because I had to manage so many challenging things. Really
1: I long. learned from you that um, um, the thing that one goes after in life yes. is a, say it in your words, the, it's the reflection of... What was it, the thing that you didn't have? Well, oftentimes, yeah,
2: often what you're driven by is what was missing, right? What you hunger for is what was missing. You know, if uh, I have deep appreciation of all the options and freedoms I have in this life today because I didn't have those growing up, and so I never take it for granted. If everything's given to you, obviously, you know, you don't hunger for that. You hunger for something else. So I think early on, I really just wanted safety and security for those I loved. I grew up in a very poor environment financially, and I thought all my... My mom was married four different men, and she always talked about how they couldn't support her family. I had no money for food. I mean, the reason I feed, I'm going to feed a billion people, I fed 300 million in the last three years alone, is because somebody fed my family when I was 11 years old. So I know what that feels like. I know that gave me hope. I know it wasn't the food. It was the fact that strangers care. And so I, I swore I was going to do that for others. So I was 11 when this happened. So when I was 17, I fed two families, then four, then got to a million people. And, and now it's 100 million people a year.
1: So. People have problems, we all do, subconsciously knowing what makes us tick because it's yes. below our conscious Consciousness mind. Is. Right? What is the universal principle that you might give along those lines? Is it that that thing that you're missing at your childhood? What is it that yeah. is mostly a good cue, a good key to what might be the thing that yeah. is on our each of our subconscious? Well, give us one. I know none yeah, of them are so going to be perfect. <laughs> yeah, no. But. I think that the core is
2: our model, of, you know, we're born and wide open. You can be anything as a child, right? You can scream, yell, throw your stuff, go to the bath in your pants and you're still loved, right? Try that when you're 30, see if it works for you, right? But as time goes by, you know, you learn that you have to be a certain way in order to have that significance. Now, to live, to love, to survive, a baby has to be physically loved. Otherwise, they get what's called failure to thrive syndrome. So we learn how to adapt. We learn either by what someone does explicitly or implicitly. We make it up. And we learn that it's not so wide open. I've got to be, some people are taught you have to be the best. You have to be smart. Or you have to always mind. Or, or some people find that, you know, they, they can't be anything, so they get really angry. When you're growing up, the source of love, I always ask people this question. Whose love did you crave the most growing up? Your so mother. So there father's. you go. And then I find out, who was it for you? Who craved whose love? I'm sure you loved them both. Whose love did you crave the most? Your mother or your I father? I think my dad's. Yes. And was it a little more scarce? Yes. Yes, which is why you craved it. And so who did you have to be for your father to have his respect and order?
1: Okay, love? so there you go, going with, with the So principles. give me an example. Okay, so I had to be strong. Yes, and what I else had did you be, have to be? Right, I'd be successful. Yes, what else would right. you have to be? I don't know. Uh, I have to have good character. Yes, I, and
2: do you have those three things even today?
1: I strive for them. <laughs> you do. So you just did what I asked you to do. Yes. You gave the formula. Yes, because once I know what that formula is, now here's the piece. For everybody, you get... What a beautiful I, example. I did, I did right underneath. in here, yes. right now, Yes. if anybody takes what it is of theirs and answers those questions, they're going to learn something about what is motivating them and why. And That's powerful. gives them the
2: freedom... To start to update that, okay. Because otherwise, you're running somebody else's life still, and you don't even realize it. you've been doing it for so many years. Maybe it's time to open up. Like I'm very proud. My mother was the source for me. As uh-huh. crazy as it was, I still loved her the most. I would do anything for her. Die for her. Create for her. I became all these things for her. I had to be successful. I had to be smart. I had to be quiet. I had to be loud. I had to, I had to find the answers. I figured all those things out. Later in life, I added other choices to my life. So it wasn't only that. I'm really grateful for the things that came out of there. But you have to understand what formed you, and then you have to decide what do you want
1: today? Because otherwise, you're just a conditioned being. Right. That's why I started with what do you want. Yes. Okay? Because your values are going to be the things that will determine the principles that you need to 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 achieve that, that, right? So now I know what you want. You want to have impact. You want to... Change people's lives. Yes. You want to make them less miserable and make I them. Less, them more, you want I want to light them up. to show them possible. Up. Right. Okay. I want to give now, them the tools
2: and the strategies to okay. make it real.
1: So the principles that you need are the ones that are going to make that happen. That's correct. One, one of the things that's unique about you is that you're not just thinking about your own principles to make those things happen. You have had so much contact with different people who have all different kinds of lives and are going after all different things. Yes. And you are thinking what are the principles that they should have regardless of necessarily what they're going after.
2: I'm also trying to acquire the best principles from those who figured it out because there's two ways to learn. By your own experience, which you and I both know is quite painful and, and can be very slow. Or you can learn to learn by other people's experience and compress decades into days. So you know, when I wrote Money Master the Game, that's how you and I first met. I know you listened to my stuff before, but I knew who you were. I'd never met you. It was because I wanted to get your principles. And you were so kind. You didn't just give me the principles. You gave me the strategies you built out of those right. principles, you know?
1: So we're, but we're talking about you now, okay, man, okay? So now tell me, what are your principles that you think are most valuable? Gosh, I have
2: so many. And I you're know ask me I that? have the same. But problem. I'd say, but it's we're like gonna, you know, we can you know, pick a context. Gonna, Let's gonna, say in life. In yeah. life, I'd say the most important thing is to me is love is everything. I believe every day of my life, I want to be a blessing in the life of anybody I meet. I know it sounds corny, but it's really true for me. And what that means to me is, how can I help? It's like I believe mm-hmm. principles need habits, or they need rituals, or they need systems, or and you use algorithms in order to make sure those principles are applied. Otherwise, they're just lofty belief systems that you throw up on the wall. I want to measure it. I want to see what's really there. And so for me, I'm always saying- Measurement? Pardon okay. me?
1: I don't mean to interrupt yeah. you. I'm going to note the measurement. you got to measure against it. your outcome. Right. Otherwise, you teach
2: the same thing. Right, I, right. know, we both operate the same way. But what I'm looking at is like it, the question I ask is how can I help? And it gives me such joy to help. And I, it's like I know what fulfills me. I always tell people one of my most important principles is- how do you create an extraordinary life? Which to me is life on your terms. It's not my terms. For my life, it's my terms. Like, what, what do you really want? And then what does it take? And I think it takes two principles, two skills to master. One is the science of achievement. How do you take what you envision and make it real? And there's a whole series of principles in that area, right? Fundamentally, the first one is just obsessive focus. I mean, if you put your focus, where focus goes, energy flows. If you become obsessed, if you have enough desire and hunger, it's amazing what your brain can do. But then you also need to take massive and action. Sometimes thinking is enough, you can just attract things. But not only a massive action, but effective execution. And so how do you get there? Well, you try anything and change your approach, or you can model those that have already done it and learn quicker and save yourself time. And then I think the third principle of that was, is grace, which is some people call it luck, some people call it God. I think recognizing there's more than you and acknowledging that. I don't know, I'm not here to lecture anybody about their spiritual outside of their life, but the more grace we acknowledge, I think the more we find, more we experience. Then there's the master skill of the art of fulfillment. And I call it art because it's a science to making money. You know that. There are principles, and you follow them. Fulfillment's different. What fulfills Ray Dalio, what fulfills even Barbara, your wife, what fulfills your children, what fulfills your friends, could be different in many different ways. But you got to know what fulfills you. And while it's unique for everybody... You know, uh, Steve went, my dear friend, and he shows me this painting. He paid eighty-seven million dollars for it's a Rothko, and it, I said, "Dude, it's a red square." was <laughs> yeah. like eighty-seven million yeah, dollars, and I'm, it, not, it. I'm not making fun of him because I don't have his sophistication. He knows what every stroke means. He tells me, yeah. "No, you don't know the story." He committed suicide. I said, "That better be his blood for eighty-seven million dollars." I mean, come on! But it lights him up. Everybody's lit up by something different, but ultimately, you've got to grow, or you're not going to be happy. I always tell people the one key to happiness is progress. Progress equals happiness if you don't grow you're not happy It doesn't matter how much you earn how many people love you How many beautiful kids you are and then we grow so you have something to give The reason you wrote this book the reason this what you're doing at this stage of your life right now Same as me is you've figured out There's only so much joy you can have within yourself no and how much love or joy or money or children, or whatever it is When most of us will all be selfish in moments But if the beauty of human beings is when they have a great experience The first thing they want to do is share with somebody they love and that, to me, makes me proud to be human. And so getting people to grow and getting people to contribute so they feel fulfilled, not just achieve. I mean, what's much more, I tell people, what's much more rare than a billionaire, and they're very rare. As you well know, you know, there's there's five new ones, you know, that show up here, you know, about every month now. The bottom line is somebody who's happy every damn day when it doesn't go their way. Somebody who's fulfilled. Somebody who finds a way to serve. And so those are principles for me. But, I, you know, I've learned principles from my original teacher, Jim Rohn. You know, for things to get better, I got to get better. For things to change, I got to change. You know, that focus, as simplistic is it is, on 100% responsibility. But my whole life is principles. It's finding people the best, finding the principles, and using that as a shortcut to help people to get where they really want to go. That's really what my focus is.
1: I was trying to count the number of principles that you just gave me. I was <laughs> I was at something like 22, 23 in there, right? And you know, and I'm clicking them all. And i and, them and, in business and everything, like add more value. My most important and, principle I gotta
2: tell you is add more value. If there's right. anything I try to teach people in life and in business both, if you can do more for others than anybody else is doing, you will never have to worry about your own life. You'll have a meaningful life. You know, not every, every moment is happy in this life. But if you're happy all the time, your face hurts, right? We need meaning, you know, we need a sense of purpose. We need that life is larger than ourselves, that we're serving something. And I think if your focus is obsessive about how do I do more for others than anybody else in business and in life, you'll never have to worry about a damn There are
1: so many things in those principles that I also was clicking off of the things that um, are my principles Um, and that I think are also very successful, a lot of successful people's principles. And and like I have a saying, dreams plus embracing reality plus determination yes. equals a successful life yes this is just like you're saying true, essentially right. that determination and that's you right. will figure it out that's right and I and when you just did a soliloquy that nailed I don't know 25 <laughs> I, I don't know so principles and we've got to go back I, I'd like you um, to tell me what you were going to tell me before can you explain About decision making about or? this about decision making
2: yeah I I just think one of the things we both share is I think one of my principles is the quality of your life is not your conditions, it's your decisions. And that um, at any moment in time, you can change your whole life by a new decision. That's the power that we forget we have. A decision that's real, one you act on. If you just make it in your head, then it's a preference. But a decision is like incision. You cut off any possibilities. Like I tell people, you want to take the island, burn the boats. As long as there's no way to go back, you move forward. Yeah.
1: The thing I'd say is um, you only have to do two things that are successful in life. You have to make the right decisions and have the courage courage to make them. And then the question is how to get the right decisions. Quicker,
2: faster, better. So I'll tell you how I
1: do it. I'll
2: give you an example. I got a phone call from uh, then George uh, Sr. Bush, George uh, H.W. Bush, Herbert Walker Bush, calls me up. And this is right after the end of the Cold War. And he says, Tony, I'd just like to talk to you for a couple of minutes out of the blue. And so I have this conversation. He says, listen, you know, now that we've seen the fall of the wall and fall of communism, he said, we've decided to put 100 people together to discuss for three days, where do we go from here? How do we help to shape the world's values in a positive way going forward? And he says, we have President Meteoron, Maggie Thatcher, myself, Mr. Gorbachev, and you've been invited as one of the people. I was 31 years old. I'm like... Whoa! What? I was like, this blew my mind. Whoa. He said, can you come? He told me dates. To, I didn't even look at my calendar. Said, of course, I'm coming. I'm in, right? So he says, well, where are you going to be at right before? So I open my calendar, and I see I'm going to be in New York. And he says, well, it's this was in uh, Colorado, uh, Colorado Springs. He said, well, Mr. Gorbachev's in New York. You know, Would you be willing to fly him there? Because now it's no longer the Soviet Union. They don't take care of him. And so it took me 0.001 seconds to figure out I'm a student of history. Right? I mean, man. Do, do I get to spend four hours picking the brain of one of the guys that ended the Cold War, right? Whoa. I in mean, about change, but I want to know what made that happen. So I said, Of course, I'm in. So I said, uh, Do you mind? Would I be able to possibly yeah, so do it? Who's the joke? Who's on the other end of the <laughs> <No>, line? <laughs> no, no, that's me too. I have the same thing, right? And so I said, So I said I'd do it. So I hang up the phone, tell them I'm going to do it. And then I get a phone call later that day from my partners in the infomercial business. And I never wanted to be infomercial business, but I didn't have a distribution channel to reach people. So I did it, and it got me President Clinton and all kinds of people because it added value. So I have to shoot another show. I shoot these once a year. And you know it's worth about $10 million, my partners and I. And my partners have found a person who I, I know, and she's a great lady, and she's used my stuff, and she's going to be the host. And so we had a date, and it's the same date. I'm supposed to fly to Fiji and do an infomercial versus sit down with Gorbachev, Meteoron, Maggie Thatcher, and find out what, how to shape the world. Infomercial like, me, or shape <laughs> the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which one <laughs> do you want to do? Right. So I said to him, look, guys, I can't do it. I'm doing this thing with these guys. They said, no, no, you already agreed to it. My staff hadn't put it on my calendar mm. yet. And they said, there is no other dates for her. This is the only opening she has these four days. I'm like, I can't do this. They said, Tony, we'll end up with a lawsuit. Well, will this and that. It'll hurt you. It'll hurt our brand. It'll hurt the thing. So I have the phone. What do you do? I got to make a decision. So I believe decision-making, number one, needs to be done on paper or on your computer. It needs to be done in writing. It's too much in your head. Secondly, decision-making is just value clarification. When you know what's most important, you can make the decision. So what makes it hard? You usually have multiple outcomes you're trying to get and it's sometimes hard to get all of them and you don't know the priorities. So your mind one moment goes, I want that and this is what I'll do. So I created this six-step process, really simple for your viewers, O-O-C-E-M-R. O, what are your outcomes? In order to make a decision, you got to know what you're after. What do you want? But precisely what you want. But you usually want multiple things when it's a hard decision. So you got to put them in the order of importance. So my number one is I want to learn what changed the world because I can take that knowledge and help millions of people. That's how my brain works, right? I want that experience. You know, I want my kids. I have a group of kids I was sponsoring college education. I want to show them they gave me permission to do a five-minute video interviewing Mr. Gorbachev. They get to coach them, these kids, on what to do with their lives. How cool is that? Yeah, I, I got to make the infomercial, and I'm grateful. It helps me reach millions of people, so I want to do that, too. But I'm putting in the order. I went through my whole list. Now, once I've done the outcomes in order, now I got to look at what my options are. All right? So I start writing my options down. Okay, well, my first option is cancel the infomercial and deal with whatever happens and just go do this, which is what my emotion wants me to do, right? My second one option is don't do the inf- don't go to this thing. Apologize and I got to do the infomercial because I'm committed. It's going to cost ten million bucks so It's going to be a two three million dollar lawsuit. It's gonna upset my partners. It's not fair to them My third I don't like either one of those my third option is I, I Didn't own a plane at that time. I'll charter a plane for him So I at least keep my word and provide the plane for Mr. Gorbachev that felt right to me But it didn't make me happy in terms of my learning capacity. So I'm writing all these down So I've got outcomes and I got options now we go to see consequences so now I, I do a little graph, and on each one I go, okay, if I do this, what's the upside, what's the downside? And the upside, if I do this thing, I'll learn tools that can change the world, you know, my, my brain. Uh, the downside is I'm going to piss off everybody, have a lawsuit, lose brand, and, uh, not very acceptable. Uh, what's the upside of the other? Oh, well, everybody's happy, you get the thing done, but I miss out on this opportunity to learn. So you get the picture. OOC, now I go to the second part, EMR. E is evaluate. I can evaluate the probability of those upsides and downsides. Because you can make yourself not make a decision and go, what if this happens? But what's the probability? Minus 10 to plus 10. Minus 10 is the worst pain. Plus 10 is the positive. And I evaluate these things. By the time I'm done, I start realizing I can't not do the infomercial. And I can't in my gut not go do this. So now you go to the M, mitigate. And I look at it and go, okay, how can I mitigate the downsides? And long story short, and I finally came up with, okay, I have four days to shoot this thing. It's the same four days of this event. I have to go from New York to LA and then get on a commercial flight to go overseas. So I have to go to LA anyway. So what if I pick up Gorbachev and I take him to the dinner and I spend four hours finding out how he ended the Cold War and his perspective at least. And then I have dinner and then I get on the plane and I go on and I'll still have met everybody. I'll still have gotten the history of it. And I'll get on the plane. Well, then I find out there is no plane if I do it that way that'll get me to Fiji. So I dig around further. So there's got to be a way. Well, what other country can I get to? So I find I can get to New Zealand, and then I get another one. Of it. So long story short, I figure it out, and... When it's all done, I said, listen, I can do this in two days. Have this host be there. She'll have a beautiful time for those first two days. I'll fly to New Zealand after I do all this. I'll jump through that 90 minutes. I'll jump. I'll take my gear. I'll run like a crazy man for 30 minutes. I'll shower and get dressed. I'll get on there. I'll land in a seaplane at my island. I'll walk up. They already have filming. I'll sit down and film the thing, and I'll get it done in two days. And I did all the above. I got everything done. The last part is you resolve. I resolve what to do. I resolve that's what I'm going to do. So now I got this great plan. It all looks really great. I get to go meet Gorbachev. I didn't own a, a jet at those days. I used to charter like little uh, Lear jets, right? I need his whole team. I need a Gulfstream. This was a pretty big investment, 40 grand for this thing. But I say to them, can I film like this five or 10 minute interview with him? Yes. 20 cars pull up. Gorbachev gets off. Arr, he's making some noise. Don't understand what he's doing. And he waves away from the cameras and walks straight up on the plane without even talking to me. And I look at the guy who was coordinating. I said, we're going to do this interview. He goes, no, no, he's got a headache. He can't do this right now. And you can't talk. My entire thing was here so I could talk to this man, right? So I get, I get on the
1: plane. He did his calculations.
2: <laughs> yes, he did. He's, He's got not, right. He to do. He's got his whole strategy. His eyes are closed. I'm like, oh, and his wife's there, right? And so so I, I think, how do I get his attention? Well, most men, you know, who are very strong, you know, will probably, if I get her talking about something he disagrees with, I bet he'll chime in in some way. That was my whole strategy. So I asked them all about the fall of the Soviet Union, her the fall of the Soviet Union, not him. What it's like in Russia now. I understand they're not taking care of him sure enough he snaps him, blah, 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 blah. so once I got him engaged I said to him I said Mr. Gorbachev I just want to ask you one question it's my only request for the whole flight I want to know what ended the cold war and he looks at me and through his interpreter I could see in his eyes he understood English much more than he was letting on right so you could see he's processing it but the guy we went through the formalities and he came back and he gave me a standardized answer it was obvious he's answered a million times but it was interesting he said it was the end of demonization he said, you know, you all knew that we're the evil empire. We knew we were evil as well. When we ended that kind of belief structure, which is what we're dealing with today in our own country, he said, we were able to make agreements and change things. Okay. I said, I want to know the moment it ended. I want to know in your mind the moment it ended. I'd really like to know that moment in history because you're the figure that did it along with Mr. Reagan, President Reagan. And he said, no one's asked me that question before. I said, well... I'm going to ask you. And he said, well, I have to think about that. I said, well, you got four hours and will be here <laughs> until I get the answer. I get him laughing, right? Mm-hmm. So finally he pauses for a moment. I'll never forget this moment. He All of a sudden he opens his eyes and he starts laughing uncontrollably. I mean, like, like he was drunk, smacking his, sho- his, his leg like this. He goes, I will tell you, he says through, in Russian field. He goes, uh, he said, there was a moment. He said, Mr. Reagan was lecturing me on the evils of communism, and I told him, you are not my teacher and I am not your student, you will not lecture me. And so I lectured him on the evils of capitalism, and he said, I was getting more and more angry, I could feel my face burning, I was so angry. And all of a sudden, he said, President Reagan stood up, looked at me and said, this is not working and turned and walked away three steps, then flipped around with a big smile on his face and said, can we start fresh? My name's Ron, can I call you Mikhail? And he starts laughing like you are right now. And he goes, you had to love the guy. He said, this is a man I could do business with. And he said, Reagan also, he knew that uh, Gorbachev loved children and their evil empire. And he brought these American children over and let Gorbachev escort them for, I think it was like a week or 10 days. And he said, it just, we developed this incredible relationship. All that came because I could make an effective decision because I had a system, and I've used that system. I've made decisions that had negative consequences, but we've built in mitigation for them. So every one of my companies, I really believe the growth we've gone from little fifty, hundred million companies this year will break $6 billion across my 33 companies, nothing of your category, but it's grown, and it's all because we use group decision making, we use our best minds, we mitigate those downsides and we come up with our best options. It isn't always the right answer, but it's the best answer we come up with that time. And if it doesn't work, we step back in and make a new decision. But I found, I believe decision making is the most important element to success. It's the whole thing we were saying earlier, You know, success is result of good judgment. You make good decisions, you succeed. Good judgment's result of experience. Hopefully as time goes by through your experiences, you learn more. I try to learn by other people's experiences. But often experience comes from, you know,
1: bad judgment. <laughs> you, know, you, you made mistakes. Exactly. It's the common denominator that you and I share. Right. Those skins on your knees and from <laughs> falling on right. all of the best ways you it. You succeed your party,
2: right. you fail, you ponder. And that pondering usually come up with principles or insights or distinctions or What occurs to me is uh,
1: uh, the challenging puzzle of trying to take those principles and seeing if we can make an algorithm out of that. Yes. Can yes. you imagine if we can make out? So I want to do that. that you now. could put on an app? That, I okay. want to do that
2: for people so they can have kind of intervention therapists, but not a therapist, but where they can do it for themselves in the well, world I think we, today. I think we can do that. I think so too. I think okay. I'm just beginning to coordinate those, and I'm looking for the right people in the AI area who can help me with that area, because I think I could provide leverage when I'm gone, quite frankly. I hope to be here a very long time, but when I'm gone, I want the impact
1: to continue. Well, we've developed a technology which we call the coach. And the way the coach works is that anytime you have a, a a question, a problem, you type into the coach what your problem is. And then it directs you to relevant principles in oh, order to deal beautiful. with that problem. Because you see, if you just have your principles, um, you it's like a book of principles. Yeah, it's like refer- a poster on the wall. Mo- you don't have most people are, use my book as a reference book and then they'll go back. But no, it, let's make it easier. Yeah. Let's just make it that you type in your questions yes. and it gets you to the relevant principles. Yes. So maybe I'll Show you what I'm doing. Why don't we work
2: together so you create something for the general public?
1: Yes.
0: Using the best of our best ideas.
1: The best of the best ideas. You got it, brother. Thank you, Tony. <laughs> it's been great That's spending right. time with you again. Same here. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you.
0: For more on Ray Dalio's Principles, Life and Work, visit www.principles.com, where you can watch Ray's TED Talk on how to build a company where the best ideas win, listen to some excerpts from the audio book, or simply order your own copy of Principles today. The Tony Robbins Podcast is directed and hosted by Tony Robbins and Mary Buckheit. Annie Org is our editorial director and occasional host. The podcast is produced by Carrie Song and Tyler Culbertson. Jamie Carvajal and Adriel De La Torre are our digital editors. Special thanks to Diane Adcock for her creative review. Copyright Robbins Research International.